Football Talk Podcast. I am your host, Zach Guggenheim, and we are here for week five. We're going to pick all the games in the Big Ten, plus a few other ones. Make sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. And if you follow us on Apple or Google or Spotify, make sure to follow the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And also make sure to leave a review. Shout out to Jay Heinz 81 Thanks for leaving your five-star review, and thank you for your kind words. Really appreciate it, brother. I hope you continue to, to love the podcast. Uh, for those of you who have been listening but haven't left anything yet, please feel free to leave a review. Feel free to give feedback. We'd love to hear more thoughts. Also, make sure to check in the link. If you are excited about this podcast and you want to continue to see it grow, to get more exposure, there are multiple ways to do that. One is leaving reviews. The other way is actually you can support the podcast financially, and that will help us to get better equipment, to maybe do some advertising. If you are excited about that, make sure to check the link below, uh, and you can set that up at some point through Anchor. Really appreciate uh, this opportunity to go through the week five picks. We're also going to, I'm just going to do a quick reflection on the Kayvon Pope situation. If you guys are familiar at all with that situation, wait, uh, with that situation at Ohio State, uh, I'm going to talk about that just a little bit at the end here, but let me just go right into the picks. Sorry, one, one last note. Be ready for some upsets this week. I'm not going to pick these games because I don't know enough about some of the teams involved, but I've got K-State. Uh, I, I think K-State's going to give Oklahoma a game. They've, uh, they've been a nuisance in Oklahoma side the past couple weeks, or past couple years, rather. And Oregon's playing at Stanford. I've got both Oklahoma and Oregon on upset alert. So just watch out for those games. I'm not picking them. But let's, let's go to the picks. I'm picking 10 games, including three out of conference. But let's start with the Friday night game, number five, Iowa at Maryland. It's an 8 p.m. kick on FS1. Iowa's a four-point favorite. Uh, head coach uh, of Maryland, Mike Loxley, came out uh, being a little salty about another Friday night game. Don't know if I uh, blame him for it. It's the second one in three weeks. He joked that he, he joked that Maryland would become a full member of the Big Ten eventually. Just a little bit of a shot at the conference, a little bit of a shot at Kevin Warren. I really want to pick Maryland in this game. Iowa has not faced a set of skill players like this uh, in Demas and Jarrett, Fleet Davis. Talia Tagovailoa, you could argue, has been the best quarterback in the Big Ten. Uh, he's been sensational. My issue, and I, I, I think Iowa is going gonna, is gonna to blow a game here. I, I actually think they're going to lose next week against Penn State, even though it's at home. But I think the issue with this is if you look at Maryland, they, they've looked really good. But if you go back to their Illinois game, one of the things that Illinois did to kind of keep them at bay is they held them on third down. They kept everything in front of them, made sure they, they didn't get the explosive plays, the big time plays. Iowa's defense is designed to keep things in front of them. They play zone in the back seven. They make sure that receivers can't get deep. And while I think Maryland's receivers are the best that they've seen, and I think it's not close, they're the best receivers that Iowa has seen. The thing that alarms me about Maryland is the line play. 
I don't think Maryland's offensive and defensive lines can hold up against Iowa's. And so while I was very tempted to pick Maryland in this game, I, I actually think it's a trap game. And I think Iowa wins. I think they cover. I actually think it'll be easier for Iowa to win than maybe many of us expect. Iowa 34, Maryland 21. I think they'll get some turnovers. I think Spencer Petrus will make a couple big throws. And Tyler Goodson will, will I think, run the ball really well against this defense. Charlotte at Illinois, 12 p.m. kick on the Big Ten Network. Uh, Illinois is an 11-point favorite as of the recording. This is on Saturday, so we're in Saturday games now. It's a tough group of five game for Illinois. Uh, Charlotte's 3-1. and one. They beat Duke by three points. Uh, obviously, Duke beat Northwestern recently, and they were, they were up pretty big on Northwestern until they, they put different quarterbacks in the game. Ultimately, I do think Illinois gets it done. I think Brett Bielema, again, is I think he's a good coach. He's, he's getting his guys coached up. They've looked better over the past couple weeks than they did against Texas San Antonio. I, I like Illinois in this game. I'm, I'm still a little, I'm hesitant to pick them. I'll, I'll say that. But I think they get it done. Illinois 27, Charlotte uh, 21. Western Kentucky at number 17, Michigan State. I think this game is all about Michigan State being able to limit Western Kentucky's explosive offense and Western Kentucky not being able to stop the run. I think Kenneth Walker has a field day. I think their other backs will have a field day. I think Peyton Thorne will be able to get on the edge with his athleticism, and they'll probably hit a, a few big throws down the field. I've got Michigan State 35, Western Kentucky 24. Michigan State starts five and zero. Oh. That's a big deal. What what a, what a coaching job by Mel Tucker. Number eleven Ohio State at Rutgers. This is a very interesting game. I think you can make a case that Rutgers should have beat Michigan last week. They certainly held Michigan in the second half. They outcoached them. They outplayed them on the lines. They, they held Michigan to under 100 yards of offense. And so a real question is, if Rutgers can limit Ohio State's run game, and if they can get some explosive plays, you know, Isaiah Pacheco is a decent running back. They've got a good receiver on the outside in Bo Melton. You know, can Rutgers exploit the, the poorest defense of Ohio State and make this a game? I think they do. I, I think Pacheco will probably break off one big run, maybe two. I think Bo Melton gets, gets free, gets loose past the linebackers. And I think the defense will limit Ohio State early. But I think that offensive line wears on you over time. I think Travion Henderson goes for 150 yards by the end of the game. Got Ohio State 34, Rutgers 24. Excited to see that game in person. Uh, I'll get a chance to go to that game this week. Uh, Minnesota at Purdue. It's a 12 p.m. kick on the Big Ten Network. Purdue's a two-and-a-half-point favorite. This is a hard one because, you know, Minnesota just, I mean, they just blew it last week against Bowling Green. They had no business losing that game. They were 30-point favorites. P.J. Fleck looked like he was taking a nap. And Purdue, I think, has shown a lot of character over the past couple weeks. But I Purdue is just so hurt right now. I mean, David Bell is still in concussion protocol. Aiden O'Connell had to come in for Jack Plummer at quarterback. 
I think they're on their fourth string running back at this point. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, but I know their starter is out. And so that's just a lot to replace for a team that doesn't have a ton of depth. And so I, I don't want to pick Minnesota in this game. And I would not be surprised if Purdue wins this game because I think right now Jeff Brom is a better coach than P.J. Fleck. But I've got Minnesota winning because of the depth problems at Purdue and with all the injuries. I have Minnesota winning 20-16. to 16. Northwestern at Nebraska, it's a 7.30 kick on the Big Ten Network. Nebraska's an 11.5-point favorite. I, man, this is another one where I really want to pick Northwestern because I, I believe in Pat Fitzgerald. I believe in his ability to coach. I think he, he often gets games like this, but until I see their lines start to step up more effectively and, and be, until I can believe in the quarterback at Northwestern, which right now I don't, I've got to pick Nebraska. And I don't feel good about this pick either, but I think Nebraska's defensive line is nasty. They are good enough to limit Evan Hall at running back. And because of that, I think Northwestern is going to, I think they're going to put up a fight, but I, I do think Nebraska wins this game. I think Adrian Martinez is a little too athletic for them. Nebraska wins 31 to, to 20. I will give this disclaimer. If Northwestern turns their season around, it will be because of this game. And so if, I think if Northwestern wins this game, watch out. Because Pat Fitzgerald knows how to build momentum and knows how to get his program rolling mid-season. Mid so I've got Nebraska 31, North, Northwestern 20, but I'm very intrigued to see if the Wildcats can spring the upset and maybe start to build some momentum. We're going to go outside the Big Ten, number eight, Arkansas, or Arkansas, if you're less miles, at number two, Georgia, the Georgia Bulldogs, 12 p.m. ESPN. Georgia's an 18 and a half point favorite, betting lines that make you say, huh, I would not have thought it would be an 18 and a half point game. I, I think... I don't know what to think of it, quite honestly. I don't think it's going to be that big of a blowout. I know uh, I think it's college football nerds. They are expecting a blowout of uh, Georgia over Arkansas. I think Arkansas has enough firepower to at least be able to move the ball. And so I, I don't see this as a blowout. Just looking at, at Georgia, I think Georgia has the most talented defense in the country. It's one of the best defenses I've seen in college football. But I also think we haven't seen Georgia play anybody. You know, that win against Clemson was a few weeks ago. Clemson has looked terrible. They look terrible on offense in every single game they've played. And that's against teams like Georgia Tech. And I, I don't mean any disrespect to Georgia Tech, but Georgia Tech is not a very good defensive team. They're not a very good team in general. And so I, I just don't know what to make of Georgia and, and who they've played, except that I've seen their talent flash and they at least on paper are the most talented team in college football. So I, I think Georgia's defense gets it done. I do think that they limit Arkansas in the red zone, but watch out for KJ Jefferson. 
Watch out for his receivers, Traylon Burks. Really, really, really good, talented team. Uh, Sam Pittman has done a great job at getting this team to, to turn around. I mean, they were awful for years. But I do think Georgia gets it done. Georgia 24, Arkansas 16. Number 14, Michigan at Wisconsin. 12 p.m. kickoff on Fox. It's the big noon kickoff game with Joel Platt, Gus Johnson on the call. Best announced team in college football. Wisconsin is a one-point favorite. Again, lines that make you say, huh. I think if you've ever seen the Spider-Man meme where the two Spider-Men are looking at each other and we're like, hey, we're the same. I think that's this game in a lot of ways. I'm not sure who's a better quarterback, Cade McNamara or Graham Mertz. I think they're both kind of meh right now. And I think both teams want to rely on the running game, want to rely on their defense. I do think Michigan has a little bit more explosiveness. And I think Michigan's running backs are a hair better than Wisconsin's. I don't think either, either team is all that good. I think they're, they're pretty similar. I, I just think Michigan is a little bit more explosive. And I don't think Paul Chris knows how to use Graham Mertz. So I'm, I'm giving the edge to the, to the road team. I'm, I'm a little skeptical because Michigan has not been on the road yet this year. They've had four straight home games. So I'm going out on a limb. I'm saying Michigan by four, Michigan 17, Wisconsin 13. It's going to be a barn burner of a game. I, I don't, I, I'm again, not confident about that pick, but I've got Michigan by four. Indiana at number four, Penn State. 7.30 kick on ABC. Penn State's a 12 and a half point favorite. And all I can say about this one is payback. It's payback time. I don't think Penn State's going to lose this game. I think Indiana is going to run into a buzzsaw because Penn State let Indiana beat them five times last year. You know, they lost that first game and I think they lost all confidence up until uh, midway through the season. I think Penn State rolls. I think they limit Michael Penix. I don't think they'll be able to throw against that defense, uh, that back seven with Brisker and uh, Cam Porter, uh, not Cam Porter, uh, Joey Porter Jr., Castro Fields, Jair Brown. Those boys are nasty in the back seven. Brandon Smith coming off the edge at linebacker. I think Penn State's going it, it, to, it's not going to be close. It, it'll look a little bit more respectable by the end, but I've got Penn State 35, Indiana 17. 3.30 on CBS, number 12, Ole Miss at number one, Alabama, the Crimson Tide. I've, Alabama is a 14 and a half point favorite. I've been saying it for weeks. Ole Miss is going to beat Bama. I think Matt Corral might be the best player in college football this year. The, the one stat that's really going against me and going against me in this game, Lane Kiffin is a former assistant of Nick Saban and Nick Saban has never been defeated by a former assistant. So this might, just gonna throw this out there, this, this, I might end up having a lot of egg on my face, but I'm sorry, Aunt Piper, gotta go, I gotta go with my gut here. Ole Miss rolls the tide, 49 to 45. Matt Corral gets it done. He becomes the Heisman front, front runner after this game. And last but not least, again, outside the Big Ten, but I think the most important game 
in the playoff picture for this entire year. Number seven, Cincinnati at number nine, Notre Dame. It's a 230 kick on NBC. Cincinnati is a two and a half point favorite in this game. And listen, a lot of people have uh, mentioned how much I, I'm disrespecting Cincinnati, that, that they're better than I think. I think they're really good. Like, I don't think people understand that I actually have a lot of respect for Cincinnati. I think Desmond Ritter has really grown as a quarterback prospect. I think he's probably a top two, top three round pick at this point. Uh, they've got a really good running back and forward. Their defense is nasty. Luke Fickle has really become a, an excellent coach. And I would not be surprised in the next few years if he takes a major job and becomes a playoff caliber coach. The problem I have is when you watch them play and they, you know, they played Indiana earlier, they're lucky that they escaped Indiana. They're lucky that Micah McFadden got thrown out of that game. They're lucky that uh, they were able to get, I think, a kickoff return for a touchdown. And they're lucky that Michael Penix doesn't have more than just Ty Freifogel and Peyton Hendershot. Notre Dame has some dudes. And when they meet on that field, Notre Dame's going to have three or four players that are a cut above anything that Cincinnati has. Kyle Hamilton at safety. Michael Mayer at tight end. I think Kevin Austin at receiver has really flashed. Chris Tyree and Kyron Williams. And before people shout at me and saying, did you see what Wisconsin did to Notre Dame's running game? I did. I did see that. Guess what? Chris Tyree ran a kickoff return for 105 yards. He's a stud. He's got speed. He's a home run hitter. Same thing with Kyron Williams. Cincinnati doesn't have that. At least not to the same degree that Notre Dame does. And while I think Notre Dame has been inconsistent and they've struggled, I think we're going to see that Notre Dame is a superior, is a superior team in terms of talent in this game. So I, I've got Notre Dame 28 over Cincinnati 17. I think Notre Dame's defense will suffocate Cincinnati's team. I think Cincinnati's going to have to fight for every yard that they get. And while I think Cincinnati's defense will keep Notre Dame's offense at bay for a while, I think, you know, Jack Cohn is going to be able to make plays. I, I yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm my one hesitation is that Notre Dame just came off a, a really hard battle against Wisconsin and Cincinnati's coming off a bye. But sometimes that can actually, a, a bye can actually work against you because you haven't been hit in the mouth yet in a while. And Cincinnati hasn't faced anything like Notre Dame yet. So I think Notre Dame wins and I think they then have a clear path to the playoff. Now, they could get upset at any time because I don't think Notre Dame is that good, but I, I do think Notre Dame has a pretty easy shot to the playoff after they, they beat Cincinnati this week. So that's, that's my pick. We'll be right back on the big 10 football talk podcast. Welcome back to the big 10 football talk podcast. I just want to briefly talk a little bit about something that happened at Ohio state this past week. That's kind of made more national news during the Akron game. Kayvon Pope, a senior linebacker, quit the team in the middle of the game. Now, he apologized 
he came on Twitter. He, he, beforehand, he actually went on Twitter and said some not nice things about the university, came back and apologized. But then his, while I think he was forgiven and, and he still has access to certain things in the program, he's still, he's still on scholarship. He was ultimately dismissed from the team as he tried to come back. And now he's in the transfer portal. And there are a lot of reactions to it. There are a lot of, a lot of thoughts about how he handled himself. Some were in the vein of how could you do something like this? Why would you represent the university like this? You're, you know, some people even just saying you're the scum of the universe, essentially. And then other people were saying, you don't know what this kid's been through. You don't know about his dreams. You don't know about his hopes. And you don't know how they were dashed. You don't know what he was promised, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that, that tends to be a trend with college athletes in general. When they do something wrong, you have two different sides that kind of polarize. You have one side that says, well, screw the kid. He made a mistake, kick him off the team. Don't give him anything. He deserves consequences. And then on the other side, you have kind of the player advocates that say, you don't know what he's been through. Don't you dare judge him, yada, yada, yada. And I wanted to talk about it for a couple of reasons. One is that obviously, you know, I've mentioned before, I'm an Ohio State fan, I'm an Ohio State guy. So I, I pay attention to the whole Big Ten, but I pay most attention to Ohio State. And so I've, uh, I've actually known about Kayvon Pope for four years. He actually, my, my uncle coached against him at one point in high school. So my, my uncle's a high school football coach in Virginia. And so you know, he's telling me a little bit about Kayvon Pope before he came up. So that's one reason. The second is that while I, I do the podcast for fun, my calling in life is to minister the gospel to college students. And so I'm with college students all the time, talking with college students all the time and telling them about Jesus all the time. And this story about Kayvon Pope is a microcosm of what I deal with all the time as I am talking with college students. And so this is, this is hitting my passions in a lot of different ways. And so I wanted to address it because I think we, we get so black and white, so polarized that I wanted to address both sides and just say, I think, I think we have to think a, a little bit more nuanced in this. So for the crowd that's saying, you don't understand him, you don't understand what he's been through. I just wanna, I just wanna say this. Yes, you're right. We don't know. We don't know and we don't understand his situation. We don't understand what coaches promised him when he came. We don't understand his struggles. We don't know, you know, if this was his, his hope to get out of poverty. We don't know if this is his hope to, to make a name for himself, to, to feed his family, all that stuff. We don't, we don't know. We don't know. But there still has to be accountability. When you walk out on your team, when you decide that you're going to let your emotions take control in that situation, you are not, not only harming yourself, you're harming your teammates, you're harming your, the, your university, you're harming your coaching staff. And it's the reality that, that 
your decisions always impact other people. And to say, well, he's a kid. First of all, he's not a kid. He's 22 or 21. He's a young adult. He can make decisions for himself. And there has to be some accountability. Now, I don't say that to come down hard on Kayvon Pope. I say that to say, if we want people to be responsible adults, we have to start training them. And so I have no problem with him being dismissed from the team. I have no problem with him uh, being asked to leave. I think it's good to have consequences for improper behavior. We need to do that. There needs to be accountability. And yet, to the crowd that says, how dare he represent the university like this? He's ashamed of the university. He's, he's uh, left a black stain on the university. Hold your horses, okay? Because here's, here's the reality. As much as I love the university, I believe that there, there always needs to be grace and compassion. And so yes, does there need to be accountability? Absolutely. But if you're on Twitter and you're, you're going after him on Twitter and you're saying all these things about him, can I just implore you to stop? He's gonna suffer the consequences himself. He doesn't need you, some 40 year old on Twitter coming after him saying, you're a waste of space. How could you do this? Like, come on, that's not your job. That's not your role. Get off, the, get off the kid's back. Uh, one of the things I love about my job, my calling, is I get to tell students who have failed and who have fallen short of the glory of God is that Jesus came for people like them. That though they failed, Jesus forgives and welcomes us home. I love the fact that Ohio State, while they dismissed him from the team, they kept him on scholarship, they're giving him resources to find new opportunities. And they're probably going to aid him to find a good program in the transfer portal. He entered the transfer portal a couple of days ago. And I am all for that because I don't want this to be his last opportunity. And so he, he has to suffer consequences and he's going to suffer consequences, but he does not need Twitter warriors on there telling him how he sucks and how he's made a mess of his life he realizes that and if he doesn't he'll make the same mistake again and it'll be worse but you don't need to be the one that goes after him and tells him that he, you know he's a waste of space he's gonna he he is learning or hopefully is going to learn through these circumstances my, my hope for him is that he doesn't waste the pain of this and that he comes out stronger and better and i hope that we see him in another program and I hope he makes the NFL. And I say that as someone who feels like he disrespected the university that I root for. I want that for him. Just like I want it for other athletes who have made mistakes in the past, Maurice Claret, Terrell Pryor, all these guys, I want them to have a, I want them to find redemption. You know, I think one of the greatest stories in sports uh, is Cardell Jones, right? You know, the, the infamous tweet, we ain't here to play school. And man, he goes to lead Ohio State to national championship. 
of all people, Cardale Jones, Cardale Jones, but that, that story is, is uh, out of context because people don't realize he was tweeting it not because he didn't want to be in school, but because he had worked really hard. And he, I think he got like a C on, a, on an exam that he had studied for like all night. And he just, out of frustration, shot off that tweet. But still, he, you know, he, he was held accountable. He was suspended for a game. He was in third string. And then he goes in and wins a national championship. So to summarize, let's hold people accountable. You know, let's, let's acknowledge that there needs to be consequences for our actions. But also let's acknowledge the reality that we all are in need of grace and redemption. And I hope for Kayvon Pope, he, he is able to turn his life around from this. I hope I see him as a first round pick in the NFL. That's my hope. I don't think that'll happen. I don't know if he's gifted enough to do that, but um, I, I doubt you're listening. But Kayvon, if you're, if you're listening, I, I, I wish nothing but the best for you. Uh, I hope you don't take this as me piling on. I hope you, you see it as an opportunity to, to grow. And I'm rooting for you. I will always root for you. I will always see you as a Buckeye. Um, and I think that's how we should, we should consider not just you, but I think other athletes that have made mistakes like this in, in the past. So I'm going to end there. This has been the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. Uh, again, thanks for listening. Make sure to like, subscribe, leave your comments below. Uh, would love even to hear your take on this situation. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. I hope you have a great day. Enjoy the games this week and God bless.